0: Today, I wanted to start off by talking about a career builder, builder survey that just came out that said one in five employers, which is 19%, think workers are productive less than five hours a day.
2: First of all, one in five is 20%. <laughs> I just want to make sure that we're clear, okay? I
0: know, it's but they, they specified it was 19%. Okay, so I guess we, just... <laughs> this puts
2: all of their findings into question right now if they can't do a simple calculation like that, so...
0: I say workers are probably productive (laughs) six hours a day. Wait,
2: they're productive how many hours a day? I got distracted. They think
0: less than five.
2: So 20% of workers are productive less than 5% five hours a day.
0: Yeah. Okay. I really think it's closer to six. I think people like take an hour off for lunch and then they go walk around or they like chat with coworkers Mm. or they check their phone or something. And I think I think managers just have to be okay with six hours a day. I think
2: that the uh, it depends on how you define productivity. Yeah. Um, Some people when they work from home are like super productive. Oh, my God. I'm
0: crazy productive.
2: Uh, Me, too. It's great. But, you know, and and I always and I have I have uh, clients and people that, that run businesses complain about their employees spending too much time chatting or being, you know, yeah. whatever. And, um, you know what, I think that that's all part of the culture of a company and it's all part yeah. of the relationships people I think it's have. I okay. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't, you know, right? I mean, if, if they're working five, six hours a day and, okay, let's say the other two hours a day yeah. they're spending chatting with their workmates or whatever, I, I don't think, I don't know if that's such a bad thing. It's all yeah. part of the company's culture and, um, it's probably a better thing than my company where my employees aren't even around, you know, Everybody works from home. Yeah. You know, so I,
0: I, I in every job I've ever had, I've always had a coffee crew. So that's the people that you get in. Right.
2: Everybody like goes a, for a coffee. You together, do like right? half
0: an hour's worth of work. Yeah. And then you all go down and get a coffee together. And I have that now with my two workers, Sandy and Danielle, shout out to my, my coffee crew. And, um, like we don't talk about work one hundred percent of the time, but honestly a lot of times someone will bring something up something and we'll comes be up. like, Oh, you're right. working on that? I'm right. working on th- like it's it's we we like solve problems on that. And I know our managers have no problem with that at all.
2: Well, like, the issue is though, is that we're here at the Hartford, which is a giant company. Mm-hmm. And
0: it's even did this at small businesses. That yeah, I but if you're at. a
2: business owner, um It's everything. You know, everything is about productivity and profitability, and you know, overhead. And um, when you see employees that are chatting away, your natural first thought to yourself is, "This is costing me money. Get back to work." And I think as business owners, we have to realize that it's not a bad thing. If you're obviously, if anything is, if it's done too much of it, that's a bad thing. But you know, some you know, 20% of the day, 15 to 20% of the day spent, um, you know, building relationships with the people around you that you're working with. I think long-term benefits your company. Yeah. All right. You know,
0: there's a big difference between an employee who walks around all day and gossips with people Correct. and tries to cause trouble. Correct. Then three or four people who go stand around the water cooler and talk about their weekend. That's, like, right. that's it There's a huge difference. That's I think right. as a small business owner, you know the difference. Right. I agree
2: with you. I agree. And you.
0: I think it's fine if people are there in the office for eight hours and they're giving you a solid six, six and a half hours worth of work. That's a lot of work. I agree. I got a lot done. I, I will say, though, to agree with you, the days I work from home, I work from home one day a week. You crank, right? I get so I know. much <laughs> I more so done. Much. <laughs> and I work longer hours.
2: I know. I know. And crazy. some people can do that really well from home and other people can't. And that's another challenge for a business owner is when, you know, when employees ask you if they can work from home or if they can be remote. Some people do it better than others yeah. and you've got to be good and have a good policy um, yeah. that gives you the ability to recognize those people that can be productive at home and those that are probably better off coming in the office. It's
0: it's crazy too because I put in more hours because I will take time out to like make myself lunch. Right. And then I'll think, "Oh, I got to make up for that time later, but I'm doing that in the office too." Right. Like I'm going right. down to the cafeteria right. or I'm going into the break room and getting my lunch and bring it back to my desk and right. then I'm like it's it's just so funny. Like I think I think bosses and managers just need to like realize that most people are have the best intentions and not get too worried about people checking their phone or yeah, chatting with coworkers and then they like get back to work. <laughs> uh, no. And then they get back. All right, we'll be right back with our first question and this is about separating the good employees from the great employees.
1: Mm. The Small Business Ahead podcast is brought to you by the Business Owner's Playbook. Whether you're a seasoned small business owner or just starting out, the Business Owner's Playbook is your go-to destination for how to run your business. From business plan templates to advice on managing employees, the Business Owner's Playbook features up-to-date, sound advice on running your business.
0: Okay, we're back with question number one. This is from Jeremiah from Asheville, North Carolina. This is our second question from Asheville. Asheville, I, it's funny that you
2: brought that up because we talked about Asheville yeah. before and what a great little town it is. Now, which I think I love it's it. just
0: like kind of a booming area. So it there's is. probably a lot of new businesses popping yeah, up there. I love it there. So this is what Jeremiah writes. I have wonderful employees. Some are great. Some are good. How do I get the good ones to be more like the great ones who go above and beyond each and every day?
2: Wow. OK, Elizabeth, you want to take that one?
0: I think this is a question for Gene.
2: <laughs> I mean, that's it. First of all, it's it's a very tough question to answer because we all want our employees to be great employees. Um, and that's just not Reality. Yeah, what's
0: wrong with just having a bunch of good employees? Yeah,
2: that is correct. I mean, the I think I think the the problem is not with the employees. I think the problem, uh, Jeremiah, actually, is how you are perceiving your employees. Um, If you've got some great employees, be grateful because that's awesome and we all want to have great employees but if you just have great employees and then you have good employees you don't have any bad employees dude you should be very very <laughs> grateful as well because a lot of us have some bad employees that we're trying to like deal with and, and how to handle good employees are you know everybody you know you, you realize if you've been running a business long enough that um, there are some people that are always going to rise to the top and some people that are happy being in the middle doing their know, job and doing their job and there's it's just built into people's DNA, and you're not going to change them. You know, and it, now you know if they're working at a sub level, okay, then you have to make some changes. But if you're getting good productivity out of an employee, is a good employee. Um you to try and make them into a great employee yeah. is almost like trying to, you know, have like a you know, a singles hitter turn them into a home run hitter. Yeah. Um it's just there's only so much that, that a person can do That's within exactly their DNA. I was
0: just thinking actually, because at my previous job I had four people reporting to me. Right. And one of them was great. Like I considered him great. Like he would just anticipate things that I wouldn't even think of and get things done right. and he was he was so dependable he was always there he innovated like he was just fantastic and then I had three good employees and they did their jobs they came in they did their jobs they did what I asked them to and they went home and they weren't the type of people who to anticipate things they didn't think ahead they just did what was what was required but of them. the big question you have to
2: ask yourself is are you making money off of those employees, yes. right? And so if they're producing profit for you because of whatever they're doing in their jobs, then that's great, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the, that is great. Now, that doesn't mean that people can't do, you know, try and be a little bit better and yeah. you can't try and coach them or counsel them or help them be that much more efficient or productive. But um, I don't think you want to set your expectations too high. Yeah, You know, be grateful that you got a few great employees.
0: My good employees, I just felt like I would never get them to be up to the great level because... That employee, the great one, just had that in him. Like he just, that's the way he did his yep. job. Yep. Whereas look, the good employees did a good job. Like right. they were good.
2: There are only so many great people like Elizabeth and myself <laughs> in this world. And I'm sorry, and there's just not a room for everybody. That's, that's the fact. <laughs>
0: All right. We'll be right back with question two. This is about taxes and quarterly taxes. So Jean's going to take this one. Oh no.
1: (laughs) Are you looking to expand and grow your small business, but don't have time to keep up with the latest trends and technology? We've got you covered with the weekly Small Biz Ahead newsletter. Sign up today and start receiving our weekly email chock full of the latest tools and resources to help you run a successful business. Find us at smallbizahead.com.
0: Okay. We're back with question number two. This is from Ethan in Logan, Utah. Ethan asks, is there any benefit to paying your taxes on a quarterly basis instead of a yearly one?
2: Mm. Well, first of all, there are rules for paying it on a quarterly basis as opposed to a yearly one. So, you know, the rule is generally that whatever money you made in a prior year, um, you need to make sure that you are paying in um, 100% of the taxes that you paid last year or 90% of your expected liability for this year. That's what the rule is. And the rule is what the way the IRS has it is. If you are going to be making estimated payments, they require you to make these estimated payments on a quarterly basis, January 15th, uh, April 15th, July 15th. So these are, you know, these are quarters that you have to pay. And if you don't pay, uh, you're potentially, you know, exposed to fines, uh, penalties and interest. So it's not even like a recommendation. It's a rule. Now, One recommendation I have for you for your quarterly text, because I just did that this year as well, is that your accountant is going to tell you, if you're running a business, You here's how much money you made this year, and here's how much taxes you paid. So uh, here's your quarterly taxes for this coming year. Make sure you pay this every quarter. Well, the accountants, whatever the accountant is telling you, it doesn't necessarily mean that is written in stone. If you think that this year is not going to be as good as the year before, then maybe halfway through the year, I strongly suggest that you get together with your accountant and redo your estimates for your income for the current year and you might want to adjust your quarterly payments So you've
0: paid in like let's say march and june and then you meet with the accountant him or her right
2: you paid in like like maybe january and april then you meet before your july payment and you go over the numbers and you're like yeah unfortunately this year isn't going as good as last year so if i want to pay at least by 90 percent of my current year you know it's going to be lower So, you know, the last thing you want to do is overpay the government, right? I mean, the government's got plenty of money. So, you know, you want to make sure that you you can adjust a quarterly payment. You can skip a quarterly payment if you think, you know, and your accountant advises you that by skipping it, you'll still be on target with the required minimum estimated payments for the year. By the way, it works the other way around, Elizabeth. Like if you're having an awesome year and things are booming, yeah, uh, it might be that you owe more. And, you know, if you're paying the minimum from last year, you, you won't be subject to any penalties and fines. It's just that if if you should be paying more during the year and you don't, then when it comes time to pay up by, you know, whenever you do your taxes, March or April, um, you're going to be stuck with a big tax bill. You're going to be like, oh, my God, you know, you know, yeah. hopefully you haven't spent it. So actually paying in by the quarter if you expect to be paying more money is a good thing to do for your cash flow so that you're not, you know, hit be a walloped with a big surprise bill.
0: Could you potentially run into cash flow issues then? Like let's say you're down from last year, your revenue's down, but you've made a bunch of like tech improvements yeah. in the business. So you've spent Everybody. twenty thousand dollars yes. and you're not gonna see the benefit of that.
2: Yeah. We did this we were writing about cash versus accrual and all that, yeah. which you have to understand, which basically that, you know, you spend a bunch of money, let's technology great example, or equipment that you buy. You spend twenty thousand dollars on equipment, so your cash is gone. But by the way, you know, you might not be able to deduct that equipment this year or you get a tax bet if you gotta wait. Year. So now you you owe taxes, but you pay, spend all the money on like a yeah. capital item. And that's only one of a few examples. So you, you, this happens all the time with clients that, um, they, they owe taxes from the prior year, but they don't have any money sitting around because they're out buying inventory or whatever they're doing with enough. They're using their money for cash for working capital. So you have to be aware that, um, you, whatever you owe in taxes is based on what you earned in the prior year. Um, you have to make sure that you've got the money sitting around to pay that bill, or at least have working capital available. To so it. that's
0: why you always say business owners have to be working with an accountant.
2: Yeah, I I am a big proponent of working with an accountant during the year. Um, I'm a big proponent. I do I do a lot of um, TV stuff, and it's always at the end of the year, like these TV producers. will be like, Hey, Gene, can you come on in? Let's do a year-end tax, you know, segment. You know what I mean? Like ways to
0: save on your taxes. You need like, to be thinking about Yeah, it. I'm like, it's like
2: December 30th. You know what I mean? Like, what, what are we, we going to talk about saving taxes now? You know, like, yeah. you should have had me in in June. And then if I, if I actually reach out to a TV producer in June and say like, hey, we should do like a tax. They're like, taxes? Nobody cares about taxes now. It's June. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, come on back on December 28th. So it's. It's really, um, you, you should care about your taxes in the middle of the year and you should be working with an accountant who can, who can just take a look at quickly from QuickBooks or whatever accounting system you're using, take a look at what you're making and make an estimate for your tax and make sure you're on track, um, and make some suggestions. It's called tax planning. And I think it's a really important thing for all business owners
1: to do. All right. We'll
0: be right back with our word of brilliance.
1: Running a business is challenging and you probably don't always have the time to research new strategies, market trends, and develop skills but imagine if you could have all the latest information on running a business delivered to you every week. Luckily, there's the weekly Small Biz Ahead newsletter. We offer some of the best information available for business owners, ranging from topics such as time management, game-changing technology and apps, to developing management and leadership skills. Sign up today for the Small Biz Ahead newsletter at smallbizahead.com.
0: Okay, everyone, we're back with Jean's word of brilliance.
1: Sweet green. Have you ever been
0: to a sweet green? Yes, I have. What I do you bought, think of it? like a $16 salad.
2: I <laughs> 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 the same impression as well. Like, wow, that was a really expensive salad, yeah, right? I yeah, I
0: think I got like... <laughs> this was years ago, so I don't even know if this is still on their menu, but it was something... Like, I got, like, a specialty ingredient on a Mm. salad, like, truffle or Mm. some type of sushi that I didn't even know I was ordering. Like, I thought, I think it was, like, a kale Caesar salad. Mm. It was seriously, like, over $12.
2: Right. (laughs) We have a, there's a few Sweet Greens around where I live, and they're always packed. They're a very popular chain, and uh, they are a salad um, store and and whatever. Anyway, they just announced um, that they are not going to take cash. In 2017. They are going to stop taking cash this year. What do you think about that?
0: Well, for me, that would be fine because I'm always trying to get airline points on my credit card. So I pay for everything with with my credit card. Yes.
2: Good point. Okay. And first of all, I pay for everything with a credit card as well. So uh, I'm not, um, I I hate cash carrying it around. And they're responding to their customer demands. I mean, this is a company that is looking at their data and they're saying, listen, most of our customers are paying by credit card. So we're just going to accept credit. Plus they also had found as well that, um, um, by accepting just credit cards and they have like, you know, a uh, uh, touch screen tablets uh, that their employees use um, a much faster transaction yeah, yeah, than doling sense. out change and you know what, you know, so, um, so it it's so a two thoughts to take away when I, the lesson from Sweetgreen this year. Number one is take a look at your business. If you're a merchant, you're a retail store, whatever, this is like a big national chain that's doing this. They're stopping taking cash. Perhaps maybe you should stop taking cash this year as well. If you look at the number of transactions, just yeah. turn it into a cashless business. Maybe it's a better customer service for your customers. That's one. Or the opposite. I am a big believer in accepting any form of payment as long as it's payment and making sure that your customers... <laughs> you just
0: want to get paid. I want to get the money.
2: <laughs> so um, I hate it when I go into restaurants and they don't accept credit cards. That oh, drives me yeah. insane. So then I have to go to an ATM and spend a $3.50 transaction fee to pay for my stupid restaurant bill. You know what I mean? So, you know, I might also, if I'm was, if i a cash guy, I might also hate going into Sweetgreen and I, what, I can't pay for cash here? You know? Uh, you know, it might be, depending on your business, the lesson is, is that you should be accepting all forms of payment, even if it's Bitcoin, depending yeah. on what your customers are going to pay. Maybe not Bitcoin. Maybe but. not Bitcoin. <laughs> but um, in Sweetgreen's situation, though, they looked at their customers and they're like, listen, it makes sense for us to go non-cash. You might want to look at it too, um, but make sure you're giving as many options as possible I'm going to your gonna take
0: this opportunity to rant about my hair salon again, <laughs> because I feel like I'm always talking about them, but they accept credit cards mm-hmm. and they have Square. Right but they will only take tips in cash. So I'll come in <laughs> with a stack of 20s, and maybe the tip should be like $12. Yeah,
2: that's so they annoying. They never drives, that would drive have change. And by the way, meanwhile, um, tips, if you use Square, like uh, well, there's coffee shops that use Square, yeah. as part of the process when you go to pay for your transaction, actually they have a tip screen that comes up. Yeah. You have dollar, $2, you just punch it, boom, okay, done, you're out. They j- only take cash I because do, they don't want to pay their taxes. Yeah, I that's don't why.
0: mind giving the hairstylists cash. But I feel like they should then make sure every day that they have changed. Yes. They never have changed. So I'll say Ugh. Okay, well, do you have change? I only have 20s. And I'm not going to give her a 20 when the tip of course. should actually be changed. And then you off. know what it is? It's adding on to you the customer in this,
2: by the way, this demand service, customer service world that we live in. Now you're like, oh, I'm going to go to the hair salon. I, I, I got to stop somewhere and get change of a yeah. 20 because I got to... It's like adding on extra and, stuff to do yeah. during the day that your virtual assistant just does not have time to do I for know. you. So,
0: right? So you've got to
2: go and uh, and th- that's not it's a, that's huge not a pain. good thing.
0: It's a huge pain. So I um, usually end up writing her a check because I'm not going to give her $8 more Mm. because her salon isn't thinking ahead and every time I go I say to the woman behind the desk if you guys only accept cash you should always have cash on hand couldn't agree with you more and so I'm thinking of going to a new salon because Honestly, I always have to think, oh, do I have cash on me? Oh, now I got to run in. It's not like I can go to an ATM and be like, I want I 10, agree. a 5, and 5, 5.
2: What I would do um, is just like, instead of you don't have to change, just each time, give them like a business tip, Elizabeth, that's yeah. all. Just say like, here's my tip. Better lighting would be good to attract customers, or and I think you cash. could, yeah, you could upgrade your chairs to be more comfortable. That would be like, just always <laughs> go in there with that. go in there with a good business tip, and I'm sure
0: that will suffice. Great. All right. (laughs) More wonderful advice from Gene here.
2: (laughs) More nonsense.
0: All right. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.
1: Thanks for joining Elizabeth and Gene for another edition of the Small Biz Ahead podcast. For the latest on small business trends straight from the small business experts, visit the Hartford Small Biz Ahead. We've got articles, how-tos, and videos to help you run your business more efficiently. Check us out at smallbizahead.com.